0: Hey guys, welcome to the C1 Church Podcast. I pray that this message encourages you, builds your faith, and helps you go after Jesus. If you'd like more information about C1 Church, please go to our website at c1.church. Enjoy the message and be blessed. We're launching into a new series this morning called Nehemiah, Pray, Plan, Build. And it's such a appropriate series to launch in with remembering what Pastor Blythe has done and in launching into this series. Because Nehemiah, he prayed, he planned, and he built. And that's what we're doing. We're going to be building the kingdom. And we have to pray and plan to do this. I'm excited. If you guys have never read the book of Je- uh, Nehemiah, almost said Jeremiah, read them both, but... <laughs> uh, if you ever read the book of Nehemiah, it is an amazing, amazing book. It's not very long, but what Nehemiah did in such a short period of time, they thought it wasn't able. They, they thought there's no way he could do that. There's no way. He rebuilt a wall around a city in 52 days. Like, I couldn't build a wall around my yard in 52 days. You know what I'm saying? Much less a fence. Maybe if I had Randy helping me. But uh, more than likely, Randy would be going, Ryan, you can't do that. No, no, that's wrong. I, I have a head knowledge of how I want things to be done, and it's not always the right way to do it. My dad always joked with me when he would, he would always say about his Army experience, he said, there's the right way, there's the wrong way, then there's the Army right, way. And uh, um, I always say, there's the right way, there's the wrong way, there's a, there's the Ryan way. And so, but Nehemiah, he did the impossible. But it all started with a God-given burden. Like, God gives burdens? Yes, he does. He gives us burdens. And uh, we're going to read four scriptures today. And everyone said, Amen. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not reading a whole chapter. That comes in the future. I've done that. I did that last week. So we're just going to do four verses today. But Nehemiah hears something in these four verses that shakes him to his core and he was not able just to be okay with it so let's read verses one first that's three okay the words of nehemiah son of hakaliah so i got to tell you a secret about pronouncing biblical names say them loud and say them proud and no one knows the difference. Um, In the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was at the citadel of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province and in great trouble and disgrace." The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Nehemiah was a cupbearer in the house of Artaxerxes, Persian king practically conquered the known world of the time? He was a slave. He was not always a slave. He remembered Jerusalem. He was in exile from his native country. And we don't really think about this. We we read this and we understand it, but do we like, to put it in perspective, imagine that you're sitting in your house and some army came and kicked down your door and said, you're our slave now. Now we are in the south and I I know that all, probably All the men here are like, well, they're going to meet the barrel of a gun. You know, that might be good for about 30 rounds, but eventually you're going to run out of bullets and you're going to get taken as a slave or killed. And that's what happened to ne- Nehemiah. He was seized along with most of his nation. And the reason why he was seized, the Lord said, if you guys don't worship me, that I'm going to scatter you amongst the nations. Instead of being a nation yourself, you will be scattered and that happened. Israel quit worshiping God. And he scattered them. He kept his promise. But there's a remnant left in Israel. There's a remnant. And they were living with broken down walls. They were living with their gates torched. They were living like this. And we don't really think about the significance of of this, and the reason why is because our cities now don't have gates around them. We don't have walls around them. We, we like, you know, we can go in and out of Nashville freely. We can go in and out of Columbia freely. There's not a checkpoint. There's nothing to keep an army out, except we're all Southerners, and we have guns, you know? (laughs) But, uh, sorry. Sometimes I make myself laugh, and, uh, But for a city of Nehemiah's time not to have walls, that was disgraceful. It left them without hope. It left them without security. Imagine walking around all the time without hope and security. That would be awful. At any one point, an opposing army, raiders just come in and just raid the town. The wall offered, and and not just that, at the gates of the city, the, the, the elders of the city would pronounce judgments, they would do dealings, they, they would govern. They weren't able to do any of what they knew because pretty much our society had broken down with the walls. The people were left vulnerable. So we see Nehemiah and his heart's broken for this. His heart's tore apart. He, he instantly hears this and it says that he mourns and grieves. The Lord places on him a God given burden. So, what I want to talk to us today about is our reaction time when we hear and discover the God given burden in us. Not just reaction time, but what we do with the time that we're reacting in. Because there is a reaction that Nehemiah had, and it wasn't delayed. It wasn't, it wasn't delayed. It wasn't, um, I'm going to do something later. He instantly did something. And I want to talk to you about the three things he did that spurred on something greater than he could accomplish by himself. The first thing a God-given burden will do, a God-given burden should make us mourn. When we have a God given burden for something, it should keep you up at night. It should make you cry. (laughs) Like, well, that doesn't seem like a loving God that would do that. I got to tell you, when you have a burden for something, you lose sleep over it. I can't tell you how many times I laid awake crying for youth, I can't tell you how many times I laid awake crying for my sister. I can't tell you how many, because they needed Jesus. Praying for, with youth that have lost loved ones. You you have a burden. And, 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 and when you have that burden, you hurt when they hurt. You grieve when they grieve. Nehemiah didn't know these people, but they were his people. And they were grieving. They were without hope. They were without security. And he mourned for them. Doesn't that sound familiar? Do you know anyone without hope? Do you know anyone without security? Do you know anyone that doesn't know Jesus? How are we reacting? What's our reaction in this time? What are we doing? Are we losing sleep over it? Or are we just like, grab our blanket and just... I'm not saying this to make anyone feel bad. I'm just saying, if we have a God-given burden then we need to be moved by it. We can't be okay with it. It's supposed to move us. It moved Nehemiah to the point where he mourned. He mourned over the broken down. He mourned over the derelict. He mourned over the vulnerable. Did we mourn? Man, after my kids were born, um, Amy would like, just like in conversation, like, hey, did you hear about um, this kid or this shooting and like this baby... Just horrible news. I'm like, I would literally, no, 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 no. I, I like, I didn't want to hear it. I like, Amy, I can't, I can't hear, I can't hear tragedies about kids. Don't tell me them. That's sad. I'm not proud that I reacted that way. But after my kids were born, man, I was a wreck. I still am. Like, I watch movies about adoption. and I'm like, I gotta adopt Africa, <laughs> and uh, I'm like. <laughs> Like, I'm, I'm like, Amy's like, get your act together. That was just a commercial for Love's Diapers. You know, like, um. But I chose to, ign- I would rather not hear it than react to it. How many Christians are like that? We would rather ignore the fact that there are hopeless, lost, hurting people in our neighborhood, in our family, in our town. We'd rather ignore it cover our ears up go nah 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 then do something about it and I really got convicted and I stopped doing that because I might not be able to do anything directly for it but I can pray about it and so I remember in my last church uh they, they have notifications on your phone now, and the Amber Alert system will go across the phone. So that's the only time I actually have my ringer on. I have that to where it can notify me. So you can actually turn them off. But like, I got convicted, and so I'm like, you know what? The Amber Alert. Every time I get an Amber Alert, I pray for that child. Every time I I see news, I stop and I pray for that child. And um, I try not to ignore. I can't do any. I, I can't do. I can't do a lot, but I can pray. And, and you know what? That's the most important thing we can do. And so, um, like Amy a couple weeks ago, she was telling me about this child in the Mall of America that got thrown over the top, and, and like the kid's gonna make it. But I stopped and prayed. I quit ignoring what I didn't want to hear. So often we do that. Nehemiah could have easily, could have easily ignored what he didn't want to hear. He's like, well, that's awful for them but I'm living in the Artaxerxes' palace. I might be a slave, but I have a pretty good living. I'm the cupbearer of the king. I get, my free, I get free clothes. I get free food. I get to be in the presence of um, the king every day. He could have he ignored the burden, but he chose to grieve over the burden. Too many Christians are burdened with something but do nothing about it, or are burdened with things that are not God-given burdens. We burden ourselves down with stuff that God doesn't care about. Or we we burden ourselves down with stuff that God didn't tell us to have a burden over. Or we hear our God given burden and do nothing with it. If you're burdened and you're not doing anything with the burden, you're not burdened, you're inconvenienced. Are the lost inconvenience to you, or are they a burden for you? This is a big deal to me, because that's our purpose. I want our church to walk into our purpose. I want you guys to walk in all the blessing that God has for you. I want you guys to walk into everything that God has for you, but it always starts with walking in our purpose. And I want us to be unified behind a purpose. That purpose God's given us that burden God's given us for the lost. That was the whole point of Christ, Jesus, God stepping into humanity to die was to reach a lost and dying world. And the mechanism by which he chooses to do that are his people called the church. And so if we aren't burdened with the heart of God, then what can we be burdened about? But the cool thing is, if you do something with the God-given burden that he's placed on your heart, then suddenly you notice it's not an inconvenience. It becomes a passion. It becomes a purpose. And it becomes the course of your life. It directs the course of your life. And it's amazing when we step into our purpose. Suddenly, this God-given burden that we're grieving and, and moving over, that's our passion. Jesus It says he approached Jerusalem leading up to the Passion Week. And it says that he stopped and he wept over the people and the city of Jerusalem. Jesus had a God-given purpose and a God-given burden, and he wept over it. Now, I'm not saying you walk around like a babbling idiot. Crying all the time. I'm not saying that at all. Um, But I am saying what moves us. Before I had kids, I never cried. It's crazy. I could, like, cut my leg off. I'm like, just put in the ice, put in the ice chest. I'll get to it later. You know, I I just, like, you know, I just, I never cried. I cried at God moments and I cried at our wedding. And it's because Amy threatened me at the altar. Um, (laughs) So, uh, But when I had kids, like suddenly something shifted in me, and suddenly things that like it, it, it was completely different. There, there's this burden, like like stuff, like I can't stand. It, it grieves me to the point where I sometimes cry when I hear about um, neglected children, when I hear about children being abused, where I hear because God's given me this burden to be a father to my children. And it moves me. But, you know, it's not enough just to cry. And it's not enough just to be moved. Nehemiah knew this. He did something else. A God-given burden should make us fast. The second thought is a God-given burden should make us fast. And I'm not saying that, man, God gave me a burden. I'm going to be able to go run a four-minute mile. Uh, When I was writing this in um, my word processor, Um, It kept on saying too fast. I was like, no, that's not the fast I'm talking about. Stop it, you stupid Apple product. Um, (laughs) I'm not against Apple. I'm just saying that this word processor was just, I had to delete T-O-O probably 50 times in my message notes. But it should make us fast. Now, a fast, what is a fast? A fast is Denying yourself something for a spiritual purpose. It's denying yourself. A lot of people, um, there's a lot of different types of fast. I, I personally, um, I, I feel like if you're going to fast and you're not going to pray, then you're just starving yourself. Or you're just denying yourself. They go hand in hand. But there's something biblical and something amazing that happens when God's people fast. You know, it's kind of interesting. Before Jesus launched into his uh, his ministry here on earth, he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. Before Nehemiah stepped into what God had for his people, he fasted. Before Nehemiah did what the Lord was laying on his heart to do, he fasted. If Jesus and Nehemiah had to fast before they did something great for God. Don't we? We're not exempt from this. Fasting is a discipline. I I, I hate it when people call stuff spiritual habits. And the reason why I hate this is because you can form a habit without trying. You can. So I actually, I would go to text someone, and i end up on Facebook. I'm like, how did I get on Facebook? I need to text someone. And then it was like 45 minutes later. I was like, what in the world just happened to my life? And so I deleted Facebook off my phone for like 30 days because I got sick of every time I opened my phone, I was on Facebook. What is going on? Like, And I, there was a point, I was like, is my phone automatically opening to Facebook? And I got so sick of this, so I, when I finally reinstalled Facebook, I put it like in the back of a folder where it's kind of hard to get to, so it's not automatic but I formed a habit because I did it so often and it was automatic to me. Fasting is a discipline. Reading your Bible is a discipline. Praying is a discipline. It's something you have to ch- intentionally choose to do. A habit you could form on a habit you could form by accident and then you do it without thinking. A discipline you have to choose to do. I always used to tell the, the students, I still tell people this. Praying and reading your Bible are like brushing your teeth. You don't have to do it, but you're better off for it. Because guess what brushing your teeth does? It keeps away decay. It keeps away um, ultimately death. It keeps away things that can, that can attack your body. It keeps away things that, that can really run you down. Well, praying, fasting, and reading your Bible, guess what they do? They keep away decay. They keep away things that can attack your body. They keep away things that can really pull you down. And ultimately, they keep away death. If it's compiled with a relationship with Jesus Christ. Fasting and praying and reading your Bible alone will not save you. It's a discipline. Jesus fasted and Nehemiah fasted because Nehemiah understood what I'm about to do is impossible for me to do alone. I cannot do this by myself. I cannot accomplish what I'm about to do without going before God. I have a God given burden. I'm gonna mourn, but it has to drive me to do something more. I'm gonna deny myself because what's in front of me is too great for me to handle. So, God, I have to get your attention. I always fasting fast tracks God, fasting fast tracks God's answer to your prayer. Fasting makes you put yourself last, it makes you understand that I'm not that important. I could deny myself. Jesus he found out that his cousin died, John the Baptist, he was beheaded and it says that Jesus withdrew to a solitary place. He got his disciples. He wanted to be with friends and he wanted to mourn. And he got off the boat. It said that the 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 multitude heard that where Jesus was going to the solitary place and they ran to beat him there. Jesus was going across the lake the Sea of Galilee, the multitudes were getting there first. They had no respect for Jesus. They wanted him to do something for them. Jesus was trying to grieve. Jesus was trying to process. He just found out that John the Baptist died. And it says that Jesus stepped off the boat and he saw the multitudes. Now, scholars believe there was fifteen to twenty thousand people there because they only counted the men. They said 5,000 men. He's a if it was me and I saw that after doing ministry the whole week, I would have been like, all right, guys, let's get back on the boat. They can't follow us to the middle of the lake. <laughs> but it says that Jesus, he saw the multitudes and he had compassion on them. And he healed their sick and then he eventually fed them five loaves and two fish. He put himself last because he had a God given burden for these people. When you have a God given burden, you place your needs last. That's what fasting is. Fasting is placing your needs last for this God given burden that you're praying about. But fasting isn't enough, like I mentioned earlier. You just fast, you're just starving yourself. You have to pray. The last thing that Nehemiah did, a God-given burden should make us pray. A God-given burden should make us pray. And I think it's kind of interesting what Nehemiah, we're going to talk about what he prayed next week, but I just want to hit it for a moment. If you continue to read Nehemiah chapter 1, go read it this week. It's great. But the first thing he does is repents. You want God to answer your prayer Let's get our heart right before God. So many Christians are walking around with things that the Lord's saying you need to repent over. Now repentance is not just saying, God, I'm sorry. Repentance is saying, God, I agree with you. What is going on in my heart is wrong. And it's also changing the course. It means I was walking this way. I'm walking this way now. And a lot of Christians have a skewed view of repentance they, they think they can come to the altar, have a good cry, and say, I feel really repentant. But the result of repentance isn't sorrow. The result of biblical repentance is always joy. So when you say, God, I agree with you. Forgive me of my sins. I want to go a new direction. I understand that this is grieving you. This is breaking your heart. I don't want to do that anymore. And you repent, and you go a new direction. That should spring up joy in you. He repents before he brings needs before the Lord. He gets right with God. He gets right with God. (coughs) Nehemiah, man, I was reading it this week and I was like, I'm so challenged by this man of God. He had this God given purpose and he wasn't okay with doing nothing, he was just a slave, but he could do something. And he prayed. He mourned, he prayed, he fasted, and he prayed. And he ends his prayer with something so phenomenal. He said, Now, God, give me courage when I walk before this man, because he's about to go before the king. And man, this is a big deal, because if he walked before the king with a frown on his face, the king could have him killed. If the king noticed that he was anything but happy, the king could have him killed. But the king noticed. He said, Nehemiah, why the long face? He actually didn't say that, but sure there's a joke there somewhere. Um, But the king did notice. He said, what's what's up with you, Nehemiah? And Nehemiah just seized the opportunity that God afforded him. Because God didn't tell him how it was going to go down. He didn't say, like, God, I want you to do this, this, and this. He just seized the opportunity. Some of us are waiting for God to give us a perfect moment about sharing our faith. There is no perfect moment. Just share your faith. Just seize the opportunity. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Step into that moment. Some of us have missed moments because we're like, oh, wow, they, they asked me a question, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm good. You know, and we just keep going. Let's, let's, let's seize the opportunity. Nehemiah seized the moment. But he was only able to do that because he spent time mourning over his God-given burden. He fasted over his God-given burden, and he prayed over his God-given burden. The Lord has given us a God-given burden. C1 Church has a God-given burden. And that God-given burden is to reach the people of Columbia. There's a lot of people that don't know Jesus. There's a lot of people that have no clue what Jesus did for them. And that is our God-given burden. So what I'm going to do in two weeks from today is Mother's Day. So the day after Mother's Day. We're going to launch into a 21-day fast. And I'm asking you guys to fast with me. Because we have a God-given burden. We have a city of lost people who are praying for big things. But what are we willing to do to see those big things happen? What are we willing to do? Are we just burdened? Or are we willing to do something with it? So in two weeks, and this is what I want to happen. In these two weeks leading up to this fast, I want you to pray about what God would have you to fast. I'm not going to tell you what to fast. There's a lot of different types of fast. Some of us have medical conditions and you can't fast food or water. And so I, I'm not I'm not going to tell you what to fast or how to fast. Some of us, Amy, when she was pregnant, um, we, we, we tried it. Listen, I'm not telling you to do anything that I don't already do. This is something that we cultivate in our marriage. This is something I can't tell you how many times God's answered prayers. There have been times where we're living on a youth pastor's salary and Amy's a stay-at-home mom and we're praying, God, we need you to show up supernaturally. We're trying to obey you with our giving to missions, we're trying to obey you with what you told us to do and, and we're praying, God, we need a financial miracle. The last day of a fast, we we literally did a we, we did a tough mudder, a 10-mile obstacle course for speed the light to raise money for a missionary that we support who is now in the Silk Road area of the world in a, in a forbidden country that that is sharing the gospel with an unreached people group. He's a live-dead missionary, and we raised money with another church to buy them a vehicle for when they landed. They have a vehicle ready for them when they get in country. Right now they're in language school. But we did this because we have this God-given burden. And that day, we're trying to raise money for Speed the Light. And someone gave me a $5,000 check. They said, guys, I don't know why, but I feel like I really need to give this to you. God hears us. He fast tracks. God moves when his people fast. So we're not telling you to do something we're not going to do with you. So you need to pray. God, what do you want me to fast? Maybe it's going to be social media. It'd be kind of crazy. Now, you, now we can track it. It's really cool. You could track your usage on your phone. But it's kind of eye-opening when you look. Man, I'm on Facebook that much. I'm on Twitter that much. I'm on Instagram. No one uses. Um, I forgot what. I forgot the old one. MySpace. MySpace. Yeah, no one uses that anymore. But um, you could track it. Maybe, maybe it is social media. Maybe it's. Hey, you know what? I'm gonna fast Coke, and every time I reach for a Coke, I'm gonna pray. Every time I reach to get on Facebook, I'm going to pray. Every time. I, what I don't want us to do is just deny ourselves something and not pray. And this is I'm going to give you four things to pray about, and then I want you to fill out the rest for your own. Because every one of us has something we can fast and pray about. Every one of us has issues. Every one of us has a lost, lost loved one that needs Jesus. Every one of us has a lost friend that needs Jesus. Every one of us has someone or something that we, we need God to move in. And maybe this will be the first time you guys have ever fasted. Maybe this um, maybe this will be this like, well, I just got done fasting last week. Praise God, let's do it again. But maybe this will start a catalyst of developing this in your life. When Jesus preached a Sermon on the Mount, he said two things. Well, actually, he said a lot of things, but there's two things that he expected his followers to do. He expected, he said, when you pray, and when you fast this is something god's followers are supposed to do and we're going to do it some of the some of the things i want us to fast for are big things let me find them we need to pray for salvations Amen. salvations through the people of this church not just in this room When I say we need to pray for salvations, I mean, man, us leading people to the Lord out there. Not just me leading people to the Lord or Amy leading people to the Lord, but you guys leading people to the Lord. I'm all for leading people to the Lord right up here. I'm all for it. Let's do it. But let's all of us step into our purpose. Let's pray for salvations. Let's pray for baptisms. The second thing. Are you guys ready? I want you to understand, we serve a big God. We serve a ginormous God. Everyone say, we serve a big God. We serve a big God. Uh, get that in your head when you make this prayer. I'm praying by the end of May, next month, during this fast, that we are debt-free. And I'm asking the congregation to join me in that prayer. I've been praying that for the whole the the five weeks I've been here, so I'm asking you guys to join. When God's people get together and we pray, miracles will happen. We're gonna see salvation. We're gonna see a, 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 yeah. we're gonna see growth. We've already seen growth, so we're gonna continue to see supernatural growth that no man can take credit for. And we're gonna see debt freeness. Yes. That's the word. Yes. I've been praying by the end of the month. So often we we say stuff like, God, I just pray that you'll do this. And we never put an end cap on it. That's not a big prayer. It is a big prayer to ask God to do something. But I'm believing by the end of May. And I'm, I'm going to believe that at the that the last Sunday in May, that I'm going to stand up here, guys. This is where we're at. This is how much we owe. Or actually, no, I, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. I'm going to stand up here and say, guys, we're debt free. That's what I'm going to, that's what I'm believing Amen. the last Sunday in May. I'm praying for the complete healing of all who have medical issues. We have a lot of people doing with, some people are dealing with cancer, some people are dealing with, um, just to name a few, Elsie Hamilton, Linda Davis, Mary and Paul McCann. I did not leave anyone off intentionally. I'm just throwing some names out there. I want you to understand that. But praise report On Elsie, uh, she's getting to go to therapy now. They're going to be moving her to therapy, so she's going to be moving out of ICU. That's the answer to prayer. That's the answer to prayer. God's hearing us. He's hearing us. But we serve a God that heals us. There's a lot of people that have issues that we need to pray for healing. And I'm praying for the boldness of everyone in this congregation Praise to God. share our faith. That's, right. the, that's that. If you go and read the book of Acts, it constantly says that they prayed for boldness yes. and the Lord added to their number. Yes. And they constantly stepped out. They constantly shared their faith, but they prayed for boldness. What they didn't pray for is, Lord, protect me. Lord, bless me. There's nothing wrong with that, but the Lord promises to protect us. He promises to bless us. But they prayed for boldness, because guess what? It's really hard to share your faith. It is hard. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna uh, sugarcoat it. It's hard and awkward. Um, and that's that's our biggest hiccup with sharing our faith. It really is, because it's difficult. But what I find is, I found a sushi place in town. And dude, you can get three sushi rolls. For nine bucks during the week at lunch. It is amazing. And it's not even bad sushi. It is good sushi. And I love sushi. In fact, I didn't even love sushi until I started dating my, my wife. And she, she said, hey, do you like sushi? And I was like, at the time, in my head, I'm thinking, no, no, no. And I was like, yes, I love it. And um, we went on our well, like our second date to a sushi place. And now I love it. And uh, but you know, I can't tell you how many people I've told about this little sushi place random strangers told about a sushi place because they have a really good deal about sushi. I got a better deal. It's called Eternity in Heaven. Amen. Amen. And we have a hard time sharing that. So I'm asking and I'm praying for boldness. I'm asking you guys to pray with me. Let's pray for boldness. I have I step out of my car. Every time I step out, I pray for boldness. Cuz yeah, my wife says I could talk to a wall. You know what a wall doesn't reject me. I, I walked up to a lady the other day. I, I was walking, um, I had a I was gonna go meet a pastor, um, at Mule Town Coffee, and on my way, I was just saying, Lord, Lord, if there's someone you want me to pray for, and just there's this lady walking up towards the courthouse, and she looked like she had something in her shoe, or I don't know, she looked angry. I was like, "Lord, it's not her." <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> "I did not want to talk to her," and uh, I just kept walking. I was like, "Nope," and I like she, and then I turned. She was still walking this way, and I walked past her. And I was like, "Yep, she's angry," and I kept walking. And man, it was like the Lord went. He said, "No, I need you to talk to her." I'm like, All right, God prayed that you give me the words. I turn around and I walk up to her. I said, how are you today? She's like, I'm good. I can tell. Um, And I said, ma'am, I'm the the lead pastor at C1 Church. And she goes, I don't have time. I said, all right. Well, ma'am, Jesus loves you. He cares for you. He wants a relationship with you. And she just kept walking. I said, I'm praying for you. And that was it. That was all that happened. She walked past me. And she walked into the courthouse. Oh, I kept walking around. I kept praying for her. No, not every encounter you're going to have is going to be, oh, heaven opens up. People give their Lord, uh, lives to the Lord. They're filled with the Spirit. You know, like you're having revival. Um, Hillsong comes down from heaven and starts singing. You know, like, You know, like not every encounter is going to be like that. Sometimes it's just about obeying the Lord. And so we're going to pray for salvations, baptisms, and growth in every area of ministry. In our kids, in our um, elders, in our youth, in every area of ministry. We're going to pray that we're going to be debt-free by the end of May. We're going to pray for healing. And we're going to pray for boldness to share our faith. Now I want you guys to fill in. The rest of your needs, and what we'll do is we'll have a list. I'll have those things on them, and then I'll have some blank spots so you guys can write in. But I'm asking us to pray together. Nehemiah mourned, he fasted, and he prayed. Jesus mourned, he fasted, and he prayed. If we're gonna make an impact, we gotta get the God-given burden in our heart. We need to mourn, we need to fast, and we need to pray. God's about to do something in and through this church this year. We need to be ready for it. We can't have division, we can't have dissension, we can't have bitterness, we can't have unforgiveness, we can't have any of that. We need to be united together for the goal of reaching the lost, glorifying the God God in heaven, our God, Edifying the body. But it's going to start. It's going to start with mourning over this God-given burden. Praying over this God-given burden. Fasting over this God-given burden. With every head palmed. Every eye closed.